Hello, I'm Tara. You are listening to You Should Write a Book, the podcast. If this really was a book, this would be in the chapter called Being Polite, and the section would be called A Few Words About Abuse, Some Do's and Don'ts for Both Victims and Allies. If you haven't already, go back and listen to Being Polite, the second of three parts. It might help make sense of uh, what I'm going to talk about today. As I mentioned, I will be talking about abuse, so if you're not up to listening to that today, I totally understand. Uh, But I hope you are. Um, Let's get some insight. As I mentioned, today's topic is about abuse, and it is intended for both allies and victims. I'm intentionally using the word victim uh, throughout this episode, and I'll explain the reasoning behind that at the end. Abuse is often disguised as love. Certainly in my situation, I turned it around in my head and told myself that he was only doing particular things because he really loved me. There are a couple of commonalities behind most abusers. Typically, they will isolate and chip away at self-esteem. He never hit me. That was my line in the sand. And of course, the physical abuse is often the most recognized. But it is the inflicting of physical pain that can either be seen or it is hidden. So they may not have a black eye, but often they will have something that is noticeable only under their clothes. Sexual abuse may include rape or sharing, insisting that another partner become part of the sexual experience, taking part in degrading acts that you've not agreed to, taking control over your birth control to force a pregnancy, Sexual abuse is, you are here for my pleasure, and whatever I say goes. Emotional and psychological abuse is, in many ways, much more subtle. It might include degrading, demeaning, telling you you're stupid, not smart, that no one loves you except them, and if you leave, no one will ever want you or will ever love you. You're lucky. Financial abuse, taking control over your money, leaving you with no financial assets to keep you dependent on them, might be justified by saying, well, you're not good with money, so look what you make me have to do. Spiritual abuse, using scripture or religious doctrine to keep you in line. Be a good wife, then I won't have to hit you. Spiritual abuse is a particular pet peeve of mine. Certainly the church has done enormous damage over the years, for the most part telling women to be a better wife, to satisfy the husband, because, you know, God puts more value on the piece of paper saying that you're married than to your own self-worth. Verbal abuse, name-calling, yelling, 
not allowing you any time to respond, it's insidious and it can move back between a number of these different types of abuse. Statistics tell us that 4.2% of women and 2.7% of all men self-reported that they had suffered abuse in the last five years. The last statistics we have were from 2019, and I suspect, with no proof whatsoever, that the numbers are much higher for the period of time that Canada was on lockdown because of COVID. The forced isolation may have been seen as a boon for the abuser, less chance of the victim trying to leave, on top of the stress and the 24-hour contact and added financial stress, all of these would be seen as excuses for increasing the abuse. Those statistics tell us that when I was preaching in a parish and I had 200 members on a Sunday morning, I knew that six to eight women and two to three men had been the victim of abuse, were either currently being abused or had been abused in the last five years. Christians or any religious groups are not immune to such behavior. It happens everywhere, in every walk of life, in every economic class, no one is excluded. When I offered the marriage preparation program and I would have 10 couples, 20 people, I could make the assumption based on statistics that maybe two to three women and one or two men had likely been the victim of abuse or were currently going through an abusive relationship. In the context of my marriage preparation, when I talked about abuse, I did it in a very particular construct. First, I would share my story. Again, you can go back and listen to the story in Being Polite, the second of three parts. I would share my story, and then I would tell the group that I was lying to my counselor the entire time. Yes, I was in counseling while I was in that abusive relationship. Of course she knew. I wasn't ready to admit it. I defended him fiercely. I tell those in my marriage preparation class that after being isolated from my friends for three or more years, they all showed up. Everyone that I called to help me get out showed up with cars and vans and trucks and had me moved out of that residence in eight hours. I was gone by the time he got home from work. So I would talk to the group about what you might see, how you might come to understand that someone is in an abusive relationship and how you might be able to help. If you can picture, if you've ever held a bird in your hand and you can feel their heartbeat and you can feel them shivering and shaking because for a bird to be in your hand is a dangerous situation. Some people who are in an abusive relationship are like that. They're very timid. 
they have a look of terror on their face, especially if their abuser's in the room. But others won't give off those signals. I suspect that a lot of people that I worked with didn't know that I was in an abusive relationship. In public, I was still outgoing and friendly. And you may not have been able to see the situation that I was in. But some people do give off signs. If it's someone that you've been in relationship with, that you've known for a long time or many years, and they suddenly lose contact with you, and they make excuses to not see you, either as a couple or on their own, there are some clues that you might be able to pay attention to. If the victim feels safe enough, they may choose to tell their story. If someone comes to you and they share their story tentatively at first, but then it may just come gushing out, there's a couple of things that are really important. First of all, don't judge. Secondly, don't justify the abusive behavior or dismiss it as not that bad. Even if the partner that they're speaking about is someone that you like, that, you know, never seen anything wrong with this person, believe the victim. It's taken a lot of guts for them to even utter those words out loud. Thirdly, please, my goodness, don't advise them to become a better wife or be a better husband. Know that there is nothing that the victim can possibly do to prevent an abuser from finding reasons to continue the abuse. For instance, if the victim suddenly does make the house absolutely spotless in an attempt to appease the abuser, the abuser will blame them for using all of the Mr. Clean. There will always come with an excuse, another reason to carry on the abuse. As an ally, it's important for you to know that victims of abuse are in the most danger when they are preparing to leave or are in the act of leaving. Be aware, get some professional help. If you are a victim, know this. You can't dismiss it. You can't pretend that it's not true. Or you can't think, well, he would never do that or she would never do that. You have to assume that there will be dire consequences. So get some help. As an ally or a victim, know the resources in your community. Here in this city, we have 211. It's a number that we can call and it would put, put us in touch with either a counselor, a victim's advocate, or a shelter, and they can guide you through some safe steps. You're not the first one to have gone through this. There's lots of help that they've learned over time about how to make leaving safe. If you don't have such a resource, contact your local police department and ask to speak to a liaison officer to get some advice on how you might help as an ally or as a victim, take their advice, get their help. Make sure that they're aware of what it is that's happening.
if you are listening to this and you are in an abusive relationship at the moment, I really, really want you to hear this message. You have allies. You may feel that you don't have any allies or that no one would believe you or it really isn't that bad or that your life will end if you leave, but you have allies. There are people in your life that will help you. If you don't have any close friends or family, maybe try speaking to someone that you trust at work or at a coffee shop that you go to on a regular basis and you've come to know the barista. People will help. And know this, it really is that bad. I know that the merry-go-round in your head is telling you that it's not that bad. Maybe he doesn't hit you, but you do have to be home at a certain time and you are grilled about who you talk to and what about or whatever. There are many ways that abuse happens and it's not always physical. It's not just about a black guy. It really is that bad. And your life won't end without him or her in it. It might be rocky. It will be rocky. It may take a while, but you will heal and you will find yourself again. There are people in your life or that will come into your life that will love and care for you just as you are without needing for you to change. It's really scary. I know it's terrifying, but you deserve better. You deserve more. You are magnificently and perfectly made, and the world deserves to know you on the other side of this situation. Victims don't have to remain victims. Victims can become survivors. Become a survivor. You can do it. People will help. If you've listened this far, I hope that you found this helpful. I hope that you've gained some insight. I hope that you have a better awareness of what to notice in the people around you, that they may in fact be in need of your assistance. If it's someone in your condo building or in your neighborhood that you think is maybe in a dangerous situation, don't confront them with that, but just reach out. I hope you're having a good day. Just let them know in very subtle ways that you're paying attention. If you are in contact with someone that you suspect is in an abusive relationship, it's important to remember that you have to assume that the abuser is reading their emails or their text messages. One of the best ways that you can keep in contact with them is to send very non-threatening messages like, hey, I just passed that ice cream shop that we used to go to when we were kids. Got me thinking about you. Hope you're okay. That's it. And leave it. They may not respond to you, but at least they have an idea If and when they make the decision to leave, you're someone who they can count on, that you might be able to show up with a truck or a van 
or to work with the police and help get them out of that situation, or that you might be able to advocate for them in getting a bed in a shelter. I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen. Send me a message and please, please share this episode on your Facebook page or your Instagram or your Twitter feed. You never know who it is that needs to be able to listen to this, that might need to listen to this. So I encourage you to to share this so that people in your circle of friends might be able to have some benefit. I wish I could do more. I wish I could say more, but I can't. Find the help. It's out there. I promise it's out there. And you deserve more. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye.